Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the UK Paranormal Radio Network at paukradio.com. So my guest on this episode is Debbie Hatswell. Um, Debbie is a um, phenomenist. <laughs> Do you know, I know I was going to have problems saying that. Um, yeah, phenomenist, uh, writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> writer, podcaster, uh, investigator, and the founding member of Being Believed Research and Investigations Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie has studied the British Bigfoot and Dogman phenomena for almost 40 years, um, and she's researched over 4,000 personal witness accounts uh, from right across the globe. Uh, Debbie's based in Lancashire, and she's formed a team of volunteer investigators researching the many witness reports that are reported each week to BBR. And Debbie is a witness herself to um, an impossible creature that she saw in 1982. So I'm going to put you on the spot then. Let's go all the way back to 1982. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about this uh, this creature that you saw? I will do. Um, I have to, a little bit of an apology at first. We can thank my friend Tammy for the phenonymist um, <laughs> label. I've been um, practising it for the last 20 minutes before we started it, recording. It, it, it. Basically, she, it was her who, who said it. She said it's when, you, you know, people say you're a paranormal investigator, you're into the UFO. What 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 you called if you do all of those subjects? And she said, well, a phenonymist. You studied the strange phenomenon. I thought, oh. Yeah, that kind of fit. So we got Tammy to uh, blame for that. But um, jumping, you want me to jump straight in? That's easy <laughs> to do. <laughs> Strangely, at the time, I lived in a town called Pendleton, which most people know that I live in Salford, but Salford's made up of a number of boroughs. So there's Pendleton, Pendlebury, Oddsall. But back then, in the olden days, it was Salford 5, Salford 6. I lived in Pendleton. Um, really normal northwest town lots of terraces some high rises not a place that you'd expect to see a creature by any shape or form and in the center of that there's this park um and we all have them in our towns it's an old edwardian mansion that's just been left at council and the park has a, a lot of ground so it would just been left to afternoon really so everything was really overgrown and as kids we would sneak in there if we didn't want to go in school. Um, I was 15, so 1982. Never heard of Bigfoot, um, Sasquatch or any of that. Probably the abominable snowman or the Yeti, but that's something that happens thousands of miles away. Uh, never called him Bigfoot or anything like that myself until years ago. For me, he's always been the man ape. Um, lovely day, about half one, two in the afternoon, probably. May, June, um, I'm with my friend and we're just, we're laid down on the grass talking to each other. And I don't even know what we were talking about, to be honest, probably boys or, you know, youth club or something at that age. And I just turned because I noticed a movement in the tree and I honestly thought it was going to be a teacher. 
<laughs> right, you know, you caught oh, a large one at local lads messing about. So I wasn't frightened, but I was immediately like, and then I didn't get time to process anything. This thing just went out of the bushes and I still struggle to this day to put a name to it. It looked like a man and an ape that had been completely pushed together. Um, so like human eyes, human features, chin, nose, head, hair, the all nine yards, but bigger, much bigger, and teeth like ass, so no canines or anything like that. Um, it was just, it was horrifying. It just looking at him was enough. I only saw him from chest up. I didn't see all of his body or anything like that. And I'm going to be really 100% honest here because I always am. I acted without thinking. So there was, when I say this next bit, there was no thought involved. I looked, I kind of saw a movement. I looked and this thing went out of the bushes at me and I turned to my friend and I pushed her to the floor. Went really get down on that. He's having you, he's not having me. And I ran and I had this. I still feel bad about that to this day, but there was no conscious thought in it, Craig. It was, mm. my feet were up and moving and my hands were pushing it to the floor. Yeah. Um, we have spoken about it, you know. <laughs> she calls him the gorilla man, I call him the man ape. I have, uh, I look back, I'll be honest, I look back to see, if, selfishly, to see if he was coming after me. And he'd gone, he'd completely gone. She ran down the steps, I ran the back end of the park. And he'd just gone, he'd completely gone. He'd melted back into those bushes somehow. Um, and I actually went back just last month with Mick McLaren, you know, Mick yourself, you've spoken with him. And we went back and I thought, there's always been a, a kind of weird feeling around that place. I mean, I don't know how to put it into any other words, but it's like, as I get near that building, I feel more and more drunk. So I thought, I'm not going to mention it. I'm just not going to say anything. And Mick said to me, I'm going to see if I can guess where you went to encounter so I was like right okay let's do it he went in his car and I went in mine uh, and as we, we pull up and he said to me was it there and I said no actually it wasn't but that's where he must have come from I said and that's where the second witness the lady who was in her 30s at the time she saw him in 1984 in that exact spot um so I took him over and I said I didn't say anything and as I'm walking he just both him and Lee Rosco were both like, oh, oh, I feel really off kilter. Um, one of the ladies that was with us burst into tears. Really? She just was, yeah, uncontrollable crying. And um, so I, 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 I was all right. I wasn't frightened. I'm all right going back there in the day. But it brings a lot of emotions up when you're there. So I just, I sat on the, the stone wall and they walked around and had a look at everything. Um, and I, when they came back, I said to them, did you feel it? And they were like, you're walking in and out of it. And I said, yeah, you do. You do. That's really interesting, that, because that would seem to suggest some sort of energy or something along those lines. Um, I don't know, maybe a portal or something like that. Do you think it could have been, you know, something like that? And maybe whatever it was you saw was coming through from, from somewhere else? I, I do. I do think that is a... a, a, a I've never cut off a theory... No. So I, I, he looked flesh and blood, but I didn't touch him. So I don't know 100%. But for him to be there is impossible. Yeah. So was he dimensionally somewhere? He'd come through to us. So I, I, I 
immediately, within probably a week, I'd gone to the local library trying to find out what I could, never got anywhere with that. She gave me stick of the dump. <laughs> I asked her if she had anything on um, cavemen or Neanderthals living today. Right. And she went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, thank God for that. She's going to explain it away. Um, but she didn't, obviously. So you have serendipity in your life, certain things that pop up quite often. And one of them for me is John Dee, uh, the alchemist. And he was said to have visited the building that was there first. So there's like, I have to explain, it was originally a 15th century plague burial site. So that's where we dumped our dead. So you, you could buy it for shilling, nobody wanted it. So uh, a chap bought it, I think everyone will know the name, Pilkington, Pilkington Tiles. He bought it and put a wooden manor house on there. And when Dee was um, punished and sent up here, there are rumours that him and Edward Kelly possibly summoned a tall demon. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what I saw, but these, not to go off topic, when we were kids outside the manor house, there were four huge stones. Now, when I say huge, I'm five four. So they probably would have come up just at the top of my diaphragm, okay. round. One was um, limestone. You could see all the little creatures in it. The other one was granite. Well, that'll, that'll hold quartz if there's granite in there. One was like lava or obsidian. Right. And there was one more that I can't name, and they completely vanished. So we've been looking for them, and one of our team, Kaz, actually found one of them about two days ago. So it's gone from the park, and these rocks have been put out. I wonder if they were there keeping something out or something in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe oh, because, were because there were different storms, maybe there's some significance in the the fact that there were four different types of storms, perhaps if they're brought together in some way, you know, there were particular types of storm yeah. that were brought together in a certain way. Again, are we looking at some sort of, you know, weird ritual maybe to, to try and bring something through from somewhere else? It's fascinating that it's, and it obviously had a massive effect on you. It's obviously stayed oh. with you and it's obviously had a massive effect on you. There yeah. was a missing time event, no, it, okay. I didn't realise it till much, much later, because as a child, yeah, I had that experience. I mean, for all over 15, I'd not drunk, you know, you just, at 15 in the northern town, you're just an ordinary lass. Mm. Probably plan for me was get a wed at 17, and that was it, that was all I was ever going to be, so. Yeah. Um, and I ran from it, I ran from it for a very long time, A, because I was absolutely terrified, that he would come and find me. And that's what I had in my head. Yeah. That he'd come and find me. I had to go back the next day to school. Yeah. You know? I'd had a number of really weird experiences in that part. And I'd never put them together. Now, after interviewing witnesses, thousands of witnesses, I realise that lots of people do that. Mm. So they will have a paranormal event or they'll have a UFO event. And they never put them together. And I've never had a UFO event. But I've had a couple of what I would class as warning events when something stopped me dead in my tracks and said, no, turn mm. around and go a different way. As a child, never put them together. I had one where I was um, walking before I'd, I'd seen this and I could hear something walking at the side of me. Now, there was, the bush wasn't hiding anything. It was probably November. The, all the, the leaves were completely brown and I, it was there. So I'd have been, if there was anything there, I would have seen it. But it walked all the way along with me. And as a kid, I got so good at compartmentalising. 
that I just filed it away and I never put them together until I start interviewing other witnesses and they're saying, you know, obviously something's, I can see the bushes moving, I can hear it, there's just nothing there. So it had more than an effect in a way. It, it shaped my life, really, really shaped my life because I did it all in secret back then. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'd get on CB radio and ask truckers if they'd saw it out weird on the side of the road and write to um, newspapers, you know, have you had a stranger experience in your area? Yeah. And I did find people, I did find other people. Right. Um, I mean, in my town now, I think we're up to seven or eight others that have come forward. In the, he starts in the 1950s with an old chap right. who saw what he described as a, a, a chimp drinking from the water. Oh. Now, when I said I had the missing time event, when I ran from the park, I remember running. And the next conscious thought I have is coming to on the East Lanks Road. Right. Thinking, because there's, there's an area there that's completely overgrown. And I mean, I came to and I thought, oh, I'm not going to cross that. Because in my mind, he, it, they would be in there. So I went the long way around. Um, but I never put the, I never realised that it was a missing time event. I, I've had to run a good mile and a half and I'd have no memory of it whatsoever. I'm running, I've seen anyone. Do you, do you think that, so, I mean, I'm not saying that, that they're all um, this, what I'm about to say, but do you think that some of them could be um related to exotic animals that have, have, have been released in the past because obviously i mean we know about the big cat phenomena and and although that sort of crosses over into things that happen that you can't explain some of them you can explain away as them being you know the descendants of panthers or whatever or lynx or whatever yeah. that, that, that were released now Going back into Victorian times, they used to these private zoos had all sorts of things in them, didn't they? And I yeah, don't, I don't doubt that there were there were monkeys or chimpanzees or perhaps even gorillas. Who knows? Um, now I'm not saying that all of these sightings are that, but do you think some of them could be? Do you think, or, or do you think they've interbred, or you know? I, I do. I do think some of them could be. I think we have to take everything on board, so we have to look at it as you've just said. Is it something that's been released from a menagerie mm. that has managed to survive here and just continue to live and breed, whether that's with us or them, I don't know. Yes, we have to consider that possibility. Mm. We also have to consider the possibility that they could be a human brother or cousin, yeah. something down the hominid line. Of course, they yeah. could be a wild, yeah, they could be a wild human. Yeah, they yeah. could be, uh, you know, like a, a tribe that we have no... Yeah. understanding some people believe that they come either from middle earth or from subterranean and we just see them when they're maybe getting a food resource or something like that when they're hunting or you know whatever um now there are it, there's evidence to prove all of them in all honesty we have found strange hair samples and we, we get reports of whooping noises Right. That's the typical monkey behaviour, is yeah. whooping and battening its chest and all of that. We get reports of all that. Right. Uh, we get reports of strange, almost um, monkey-like prints on the floor of the foot. So the, their, their toe, is, their big toe is very different to ours. And we also get these very strange human prints. Right. So they would fall very well into a large human male, probably for a, a, 
around seven, seven and a half feet. Very normal looking foot, but clearly never been shod. So right. the toes are displayed. Um, and I only take prints into account if there is, I want to see some slippage. I want to see movement. I don't want to see something that's been printed down from above. So if we're talking about a flesh and blood creature that's moving along, there should be movement within the print. It should not be pristine. Um, and there are a couple, now I'm only saying a couple, and they are in private, oh, they're always in private collections, aren't they? Yeah. Here and in America, where they have looked at the dermal ridges with on the in the foot, and they run the opposite way to ours. Okay. So as ours run across, yeah, these prints run up and down. So what's so they're either, yeah, they're either incredibly good fakes. You're gonna say what's the theory behind that then? Just that they are like all mam all mammals, we all evolve differently, don't we? There could be anything on the mammalian line, we have to take that in. I once heard a word from um, a paranormal researcher, and I cannot remember it, and I so wish I could. It was a German word, and it meant that you were able to be different in, in other worlds, so almost changed metaphysically. So you could be in our world and seen solid and, and, and fluid, but you were really not of this world. So I just don't I think we have to take every single one of those into account. We get bear reports. So what you said there, Hackney Marshes is one area where we get a lot of okay. bear Probably from the 70s upwards. Now everyone says, oh, no, it was Cooler Shaker's dog. But I don't, I'm not having it that Cooler Shaker's dog's 40-year-old. You know, what about the ones in the 70s? And even more compelling, they found two bear heads. So actual bear heads. So that would suggest to me that somewhere down on the marshes, there could very possibly be a bear roaming. Same in um, Breton Beacons in Wales. Right. So I've had people who describe, wild campers who describe a typical bear's behind walking right. off into the brush. And they're not reporting it as Bigfoot, they are reporting it as a bear. Yeah. Horseshoe um, Pass, there's two accounts there from different people of what they describe as an upright standing bear, but a bear can stand upright, you know, a lot yeah. low moon. Two standing bears on Lot Lomond. Um, so the, there's lots of evidence for it out there. I mean, I've had reports from, you know, hyenas, yeah. rhea, beavers. Um, you'd be amazed <laughs> at what's running around out there. Yeah, so they're, they're really quite widespread, aren't they? Um, mm. Can you, can, let, let, can we talk a little bit about BBR then and, and how, that, yeah, how that came about? Uh, what sort of work you do, who's involved with it, um, and, you know, any more really interesting stories, perhaps some of the more recent ones that you've, yeah. you've investigated would be great, yeah? Um, it started back then, when I saw it, 82. Never had the word. Um, it, BBR was originally Adam Bird's um, creation, and it stood for British Bigfoot Research. Oh. And Adam was a chap that had had an experience in America when he was a child. And he, in, when he came over, uh, well, obviously when he's in his 30s, he realised that he was an actual, people actually were really interested in Bigfoot in the UK. So he opened the group originally just so people could share videos, you know, like, oh, I watched this cracking documentary on Bigfoot, or, you know, I've watched this film, just kind of like that, really. And people started getting in touch with him and saying they're not just in America, 
you know, I saw one when I was whatever, and I'm nothing to do with him. I don't even know him by then. I, I'm way out doing my own thing. And I'm finding witnesses, um, witnesses to very similar creatures that I've seen, probably around seven to eight feet tall, completely hair covered, very muscular and wide on the chest, very little neck. Um, and I stumbled across him one day. I think I'd share, actually, there was a, as I said before, there was a lady from 84. Now she never got in touch with me. She got in touch with a chap called Thomas Markham and he runs a crypto crew blog in America. And he messaged me and said, Deb, I've had this amazing report come in, you should read it. And you know, when you go, yeah, right, okay, I'll have a look later and you just put it to one side. And he's like, no, you need to read it. It's from your town. And I was like, oh, I was like, so I looked and it was this woman. And she was saying that she'd saw it really, really similar, but she'd seen all of it. And she said it had a male genitalia, like it often gets said. It had this pot belly almost, and this hunched stance, which comes up more and more and more. Um, and as I found each person and you stay in touch with them, you suddenly realise how many people are out there are having these experiences, nobody's writing them down. Uh, but I, I couldn't tell nobody what to know. It wasn't a UFO, it wasn't paranormal, they were not interested. Mm. And so many doors slammed in my face. Um, and it's not nice people telling you you're mental or you've made it up or it's all in your head or you're doing it for attention, yeah. all of the above. We've never made a penny doing what we do. We, no. We're constantly in our overdraft, you know. <laughs> but these people out there like me, who think they're mentally ill because I thought I was mentally ill. You thought you were I, seen things, I did, I really yeah, did. Yeah. I thought I was ill. I I'd seen things as a child and you told, if you tell someone long enough that you must be mental, yeah. eventually yeah. it starts to take root. But yeah. then I see the other side. I see all these really credible witnesses, policemen, soldiers, academics, people driving the roads, dog walkers, people just doing ordinary things. And back then I thought, if, it, if it's just like, say it's hysteria and it's a mass hysteria, it'll die off. Mm. It'll just die off and no, I'll never find another witness again. And that's never, ever happened, ever. And it, so, it's, so then, though, that's it, right, let's start British Bigfoot properly. Let's get people out on the ground, boots on the ground, see what they can find in the woods. If a report comes in off a witness, give you for example, the Medway River has 16, 16, upright hair creature reports all from different people and families along each route now if i hadn't written them down and plotted them on the map we wouldn't have known that we would have no idea so what do i need i need a person on the medway who doesn't mind going out to talk to this witness mm. and you know whether it's off camera whether it's, it doesn't matter that yeah. but just it shows us where it happens so we can get a size comparison we can collect data really yeah. I was really in the hopes that it, other people had caught on. And then I started getting people saying, Deborah, what I saw wasn't ape-like. It was very dog-like. It had a snout and ears on top of its head, all of that. And people slamming doors in my face they don't want to know. I'm talking to men who are 18 stone bouncers who don't want to go back on work tomorrow because they've got to drive on the same way. Yeah. It's the thing that they saw. Um, I've had men in tears. I've had females in tears. I've cried myself. So you start collecting them and you say, I've not had that experience, but I know others that have. And you need to speak to each other because once you start to speak to each other, it becomes very validating. I always say the UK is fickle 
if you've had a paranormal report, everyone wants to know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's get an EMF meter and go out in the woods and let's go and investigate it, you know? Yeah. You see a demon or a gin or anything or a Victorian child, people want to know all about it. Yeah, right. If you see a UFO or you're abducted, it, that's great. You say you've seen something that looks like a Neanderthal or a, an ape man and it, <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, it, people yeah. think it's less credible, don't they, for some reason? And yeah. I think the number of, of reports, I mean, looking just looking at, at your map online, I mean, mm. there are thousands, aren't there? <laughs> Absolutely thousands all across the world. And the interesting thing is, I mean, if we just talk about one phenomenon, which is obviously this sort of, you know, this hairy ape type, Sasquatch, yeah. uh, Yeti, what, whatever you want to call it, you go all the way around the world. I mean, in, in Australia, for instance, they have their version yeah. of the Yowie, as you want to know. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You've got the same sort of sightings. So to me, that has mm. to add a massive amount of credibility to the fact that these things exist. And it's I'm just, so glad that you said that. <laughs> just, well, no, and it's just working out what the flipping heck they are. Because, you know, um, there's so many people see them all, all, all over the world. You mentioned about Dogman. I mean, I, I remember when I, when I spoke to, um, to Mick, going back a few months now when I, when I first started doing this, and we were talking about Winter Hill. Yes. In particular, which I was, I was, I'd like to ask you about it in a bit, actually, because obviously that's quite close to where we both are. Um, yeah. But he did mention that there'd been a sighting of a dogman type creature by somebody there who didn't it apparently wasn't it running parallel with his car or something when he was driving along through the lanes and he said this thing suddenly appeared in his window and it, it was sort of keeping up with the car um i mean to me that sounds just well frightening to start off with but i've heard yeah. similar stories um I'm sure, in fact, I think it was Paul Sinclair who, who, who mentioned that there was one happened up there in the northeast, which was exactly the same. Somebody driving a car and suddenly this massive dog's head appeared by the side of, of the window and, yeah, and, and, not... and kept up with him as he was driving, you know. So, um, no, I, mean... I know, I know, I know it's really hard to believe, isn't it? But what most people don't realise, and I am in a unique position, because every single report I find goes onto an interactive map, which is free, by the way, if you want to use it, if you want to go out and have a look at the cases or investigate some photos, I would absolutely love that, because I can't be all over the UK. But the Yorkshire coast from Kent, from, I mean, the south, the, Deborah, start again. The east coast from Kent, all the way up to the Scottish border, every single report is canine in origin. Right. And there are many, probably over 25. Right. Yorkshire itself has a huge number of... You tend to get different descriptions, Craig. So you'll get the typical werewolf, hammer house, you know, nose, dog's legs, paws, tail. But then you'll get this almost human, dog-headed thing. Lots of reports in um, Rochdale of the wolf-headed men, believe it or not, you know. Really? When you start digging, you'd be amazed what you find. But, yeah, um, Cranic Chase, another place where you get a lot of canine cryptids. Um, Snowden, I took a report from a, um, a lady who worked for one of the... She worked on Channel 4 on one of the afternoon quiz shows. Oh. 
and she was interviewing one of my members and she said to him, what are your hobbies? And he said, well, um, I'm into cryptids and she didn't know what it was. And he said to her, it's like the study of um, animals that are not supposed to exist, so like dog men or Bigfoot and things. And he said the line went quiet. So he thought, oh, I've scared her off. And she said, I've never told anyone this before, sure. but in 2012, I was on Mount Snowden and I saw this creature and it had a dog's head, but it had a man's body and it was completely hair covered and it just vaulted over a fence and ran off from her. Um, we don't tend to get the big scary American reports, but honestly, seeing that, I often say to people, before you ridicule someone, just have a think about when you walk the dog at half past eight at night and it's going dark and you're walking along and you're really relaxed. What would you do if something stepped out from that tree line or from behind that fence? It was probably twice the size of your width waist yeah. and at least two foot taller than you with snarling teeth. Mm. And you could smell it and see steam coming off it, you know? What do you expect that witness to do? Why didn't you get a photograph? Why didn't you phone out? I would be a puddle on the floor. Exactly, yeah. That was, I, all I would want to get is out of there alive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't have time to take your phone out and start going through all your apps, do you, to find your, to find your camera? And then talk no, to the still while it focuses. <laughs> no, I know. But then we see BBR again, then we have to expand again. I always thought in the UK it was really easy to report a UFO or a reptilian. Mm. Apparently not. Because then people started getting in touch with me who had seen reptilian folk or people shape-shifting. So that's why it became being believed investigation. So what I say is, if you want to contact us regardless of what your experience is, or if you just have a genuine interest, that's fine. Come, come and join us, you know. We, we get together once a fortnight on YouTube and we all have a chat and me and Debbie will be on and we'll talk so that they can chat in the top the box with each other and then on a Saturday I do the same but it's not live it'll be an hour of uh, reports that have come in and it's just to run the chat box so people can talk to other folk without <laughs> getting a side eye yeah or, without feeling know. vulnerable or or yeah. going to be ridiculed yeah no that's yeah. well yeah that's fair enough you, you mentioned there about um reptilians mm -hmm. yes we've got a case in Preston not too far from you you know on the staff Really? I do. Yeah. Um, there is a large, uh, I'm not going to say where it is, but let's say it's a headquarters, a civil service headquarters. Okay. And there is a lady who works there who's quite well off. Uh, up. So she said, uh, it's an ordinary day, absolutely ordinary day, nothing strange whatsoever. She said, I've finished about half past 30, about, oh, Deborah, about 8 30. It's dark, it's November. So it's a bit misty, but that's normal for us in, in North, isn't it? A little, just yeah. a little bit, not a fog, but a little bit of mist. Mm. So I'm in the car park, I pull out and I think, naturally, you look left and you look right to make sure no cars come in. She looked left, nothing. She looks right and she saw what she described as an eight-foot sneering reptilian, really. Um, she said he was thickly muscled. And when she noticed him, she said there was definite contact she felt that he was probing up a mind for her memories and things and she said it was incredibly hard to break contact with him and she did everything that she could to do that um and she just drove the car but she had to go back to work mm. you know and then i said to her is that the only time 
you've ever experienced anything like that? And she went, no, no, actually. Um, when I was much, much younger, we were in a, a, I think in her 20s, there were lots of them at a friend's flat. And she said, we weren't drinking or anything. We were just having coffee and chatting. And the, there's a gentleman on the couch. And she said, for a split second, he came, became very lizard-like. And she said, without thinking, I said, oh, you almost changed into the lizard there. And she said, he looked right at her. And he said, yeah, I do that sometimes. Really? Mm. Now, that is that is weird, isn't it? I mean, I know yeah. <laughs> I know Preston Town Centre quite well. Um, I've worked in Preston myself, actually, for 20-odd for years. Mm. Um, and ironically, I work in Salford now, but anyway. <laughs> um, you, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but I know that the, the offices that it probably was are right in the centre so it's a very built-up area isn't it it's, yeah. it's a very urban area uh, yeah. which makes it even more surprising you have to wonder sometimes whether you know there are certain people who have an ability to see paranormal um yes yeah so are there people then that have an ability to see these type of events where you've actually got somebody who is perhaps as we talked about before, phasing mm. in and out, shifting almost, yeah. shape shifting sort of, um, but almost dropping that guide that they've got, that facade, yeah. just moving a little bit out of, so that most normal people can't, normal's not the right word, most other people can't see them doing it, but if you've got yeah. that, that ability just to be able to maybe pick it, pick it up, even though you don't know you've got that ability, perhaps you can, you know, these, you know, perhaps she could see this person just phasing out a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, I think I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that one. I didn't explain it very well, but you know what I mean, sort of ability. I do. I think certain people, um, for me, it's places. So I can get, I know when I'm on a ley line. I have no, I know exactly when, I know when I'm approaching a ley line. So I get myself ready. There's places I know, I know. I, I, if that's me, that's my, that's what I can do. So I'm really staticky, and I think I just kind of tune into the earth energy. But it could be that certain people can see past a disguise. It could also be that some beings will appear in a way you will accept them in an almost trickery kind of way, or absolutely terrify you to feed on your fear so we've got a lot of things going on haven't we it could be that he for some reason at that moment let his facade slip and mm. she saw the true him and she definitely said that he was almost sucking thoughts and memories out of her you know uh but she's not the only one i, I spoke to um went to probe uh i think 2018 chris turner I was speaking at Probe and there was a young chap there and he'd come out because he was in the army. Um, probably he lives on the Wirral, so, you know, not far from us. Mm. But he was in the army in Germany and he'd been struggling with this event for so long. That's why he went to Probe. He wanted to just speak to other people to say, look, is this what I've seen? Is, is this, you know, is that a reptilian? He said he was in his barracks. Um, it was about 10.30. He was having, you know, I, I mean, he must have been off because he was, unless he had shifts, I don't know. I've never been in the army. But he said it was about 10.30. He was in bed. It was really comfortable, really nice. And he saw something standing at the end of his bed. And he, he described a tip. He actually drew it. 
typical reptilian looking uh, being, but he had a belt and he said below the belt, there was nothing. You couldn't see anything. It was almost like it just materialized up above. Yeah. Similar thing really, reading his thoughts. Um, it terrified him and, it, and he went to his superiors and they suggested that he was ill and, and he took some time off, you know, and that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine something like that's going to have a, a massive effect on you. You know, you're not you're not going to be the same again, are you, once you've seen something like that? So, no, not at all. That's, that's really interesting. I've never heard those before, those stories before, Debbie. So that's that's a, that's the first that, thing, and, and, and they are, that's really interesting. It, you know, they really are, and they're quite scary as well, actually. <laughs> well, yeah. one question you've not asked me, and everybody always asks me, is what am I frightened of? What frightens me? Because obviously I hear all of this. I'm not really frightened anymore. That's gone for me now. I'm not great at night in the dark outside, so I don't do a whole lot of that, I'll be honest. But otherwise, nothing really scares me, but I do not like the invisible life forms, the ones that are almost predator-like, you know, like the film. I don't yeah. like them at all. Okay. Seeing seeing what's hunting you, stalking you, mm. is one thing. But being stalked by something you can't see has an old another notch, well, two notches, I reckon, for me. Yeah. Do you know where it is? People talk about them walking in behind them, Craig, circumventing right. and coming up in front of you. Yeah. And you hear those bushes moving, but you cannot see what's moving them. I don't like that. <laughs> so you, you you sort of have the um, the feeling that something's there. You have that. You see it prismatically. So there's lots of names for them. Some people call them glimmer men. Others call them prismatic beings, um, electromagnetic beings. There's almost a shimmer, like in the film. You know, when you see the predator move in the film, you can make out his form, even though he's not there, because it's his very fluid movement, almost like that. But I've had them in sizes from probably two foot. One lady said there was one up in the tree, and it was reflecting its surroundings. Right. Which I think really, for me, I thought that's a good way of explaining it, that. So it's not invisible, hmm. but it's showing you the surroundings that so you cannot tune into that wherever it is but you can hear it like I say but you just can't see it um there was a chap in Henley you know where they have the regatta yeah he was a tree surgeon and he said when we worked away all week we just stay in a caravan because it was cheaper and that's where they are he names the pub and he's on the map if anyone wants to look and he said about six o'clock at night I've had my tea and I'm just resting he said and I can hear what he presumed was kids smashing through the woods because, and he was really annoyed because he's worked all day, yeah, you know? And he said, he, I got my boots back on and I went out and he said, I could see it smashing, but I couldn't see it. And it was moving through those branches really fluidly, that's what he said. It, it, it was just like it was walking on a pavement. Wow. And he goes, can you imagine? What do you do? You've got to sleep there that night. And you, <laughs> well, and you, you wouldn't and sleep, you? would you? Simple as that. It, it, you process it, you know? Yeah, I know. It, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, that, you know, some of these Hollywood films then that, that you know, you think is, is, is completely made up and it's somebody's imagination and it's all, you know, fantasy and everything else. I mean, is there some spark of truth in there? Um, mm, I, are, yeah. are we being... Drip-fed. Um, 
yeah are are we being programmed to to accept these things once all of a sudden almost like disclosure with with ufos you know yeah, are we being you know oh my theory is 100 percent because years and years and years ago when psychics very first came out they were seen as flukes and so yeah. after that they just get cast with the ghost and every haunted house thing you saw it was ridiculous it was a ghost in a sheet every psychic was a crazy you know gypsy rose lace yeah. so it ridicules it, it makes them it makes it a thing of jest and then they did it as you know to the ufo mm. realm so you got all of the cartoonish alien greys and the films that they do and it just almost makes it normalised, but I think they cartoon it. So the minute you raise the subjects, it becomes ridiculous. Most of uh, the children's films that have been out in the last two years have been Yeti-based or Bigfoot-based. Yeah. There's a, no a number of them, um, and I've noticed that. And I, said the same, I said the same to my husband. Yeah. But one another thing that I've noticed is, as you talk about disclosure, I set up... Um, like alerts so if anything a story pops up in the media i'm onto it straight away yeah. so i've noticed over the last 18 months that we've gone from completely denying unidentified objects to saying well actually yeah we do have them yeah. obama himself said you know the president of israel said mm. more and more disclosure by people that are very very um we wouldn't scoff at them. We, yeah. you know, yeah. he, he knows his stuff, and he's saying, mm. "I've got um, a tape of four pilots. It's out there. Anyone can find it." A chap from Dublin got in touch with me and had a really scary uh, experience. So I said, "I'll have a look. One of the things I can do is have a look and see if I can find any other reports in your area over Dublin Bay. There are hundreds of UFO reports, yeah. but this is audio capture." And it's four pilots for each from different companies hmm. all phoning in saying there is something in circle in the plane. We're right. above double play. What is going on? And you hear them all talking about it. They're talking to the radio tower and the radio tower are saying, we cannot see it. We cannot see it on the radar. Colin, why was that not in every newspaper known to run or on our telly? You know, it's just, yeah. it just baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. So when I shown him, it was, it was great for him because he was like, oh, thank God for that, you know. I'm not, I'm not a crackpot. I really did see what I saw. I suppose, I suppose there are a lot of, um, a lot of sort of questions around something like that as to why it isn't out there in, in the public domain. And I think a lot of it's to do with reactions panic there's a lot of religious implications as well isn't yes, there? yes you know, there is you know. there's all sorts of stuff in there but which i think is one of the reasons why i mean we're going off track off track a bit aren't we, with the ufo stuff but, it's fine. No, it's know, i think i think that's probably why disclosure hasn't come yet but you're right i mean there was a there was a there was a canadian um uh guy wasn't there was he was he part of ex-canadian government or, or something mm -hmm. like that who Again, um, he he was absolutely adamant, wasn't he, that, that UFOs were real, that aliens were real, that contact with them. Yeah. I'm sure we have. I'm sure we have. And it, it's, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying. I've, I've interviewed people, I've said it today. I've yes. interviewed a number of people. Once I, I interviewed a chap, and I thought at any moment he was going to lick his eye. He was the most <laughs> reptilian man I've ever met. And he had almost, his pupils were really strange. Yeah. And it was a really hard interview, and that... 
normally when you get in your flow, once your nerves have gone and you're in the flow, the interview goes really well. It was literally like talking to a robot. Really? I was having to pull like information out of him. And I never, in the end, I never put the, I just got a really bad vibe off him. So I never put the really interview sort of paused and, and just. Mm, I felt more like I was being interrogated right. more Self, yeah. oh. than I was interviewing him. Um, yeah. I don't know, I've just got a really bad feeling. I always go off my gut. So if I get a really bad gut feeling, I'll, yeah. I'll listen to it. And with him, I did. And I just, as I hung up, I said to Matt, I'm not putting that out there. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like his energy. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go over then to, to some, um, some cases that are quite sort of local to us. Yeah. Because obviously we're in the, in the northwest of England. You're in Greater Manchester. I'm probably, what, about 25 miles north of you, something like that. So... Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of um we've got Winter Hill, we've got Pendle Hill, we've got Boland, yeah. we've got um Yorkshire. Beacon Fell, yeah, Longridge Fell, Beacon Fell, all yeah. of that. There are reports there, actually. Yeah. I do have Boland, for instance, we have two reports. First one is a couple who are on the Tramper Trail. Right. And they see what they she the lady described as a hairy naked man, uh, probably about seven feet tall, just running. Um, and that was it. There was nothing. There was no. It didn't do anything. It just ran. And she said it was definitely not a, a human man, but he was clearly male. Mm. Um, then we have a, a young lass was in the uh, bowl of uh, Boland with a father, and she said, "You know, as kids, you just run off and play in the woods. That's what you do when you're on holiday." And she said, "I noticed something watching me from within the bushes, and I'm I'm thinking it's one of my brothers or my sisters, and you know they're going to jump out on me, kind of play a trick on me." She said, so I jumped down and I'm kind of, he'd not, it had not noticed her. And she's waiting for her brother to jump out. And she said, it moved. And when it moved, it was what you would call a werewolf. She said it had a snout. It was completely black in hair. She said it was kind of sat on its haunches like you would around a fire. Yeah. Um, and she said, it didn't do anything. It didn't try and come near her or anything like that. But she said, without thinking, she ran. And as she turned around, she ploughed right into a blooming tree and, and, and broke her nose. So it was a really, really memorable um, experience for her. A couple of years later, a chap gets in touch with me as a wild camper, and he's up on crags at Bowland. Yeah. And he said, I've just got a little wildfire gone kind of thing, Deb. Um, and he suddenly notices, out of the light of the fire, something moving around and he said it was moving uh in a very strange way Deb. it was hunched on its arms arches mm. and it was kind of moving around and each yeah. time it passed it'd get a little bit closer and i said to him without thinking because i was really naive back then i said why don't you just get up and move and he said because i thought it'd get me mm. he's like i'm in a position where i'm in the middle of bowling Deb. it's probably took me three hours to walk in yeah i felt safer when we back up to that rock and the fire in front of me than the actual thought of walking out with it behind me and I was like I'm really sorry I should have took that into account he's never wild camp since never no. and it's just that it's so sad when they say that because it's it, it is I mean it's a massive area I mean the forest of Boland itself is a massive area isn't it um and there's all sorts of terrain. I mean, there's there's rivers, there's woodland, there's moorland. You've got um, Ward Stone, for instance, which is the highest point. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's two thousand feet almost above sea level. Yeah. So you know that sort of environment is obviously it's lush. 
it's absolutely lush, isn't yeah. it? And we've got all the rivers and streams. I mean, yeah. you must, there's over, uh, I think it's over 50 estuaries in the UK. Yeah. And you think of how many streams and brooks run off them. Yeah. Boland's a fantastic place. Yeah. If you start looking at the streams and looking at them as highways, you get from Boland, you go to Cumbria, Scotland, Yorkshire, over the moor. You go down on a massive way and pick up the reports there. Um, the north-west of England, most of our reports follow the Irwell Valley, the, um, the River Dove. Um, just, I, I can't get them all to mind, the Goyt um, to mind at the moment. But even, it, it, just go on a slide, just go to Ramsbottom, um, Holcomb Common. We've got reports there from Service Soldiers. Yeah. yeah. Where the old Crips and Factors site used to be. On yeah, the I mean, you mentioned Rochdale. I mean, that up there where... Um, our bets, the, the pub, yeah. really high up, isn't it? You know, and it's on the old, um, it's on the old road, isn't it? That you know where the the, the, the merchants used to used to go up, up yeah, the, yeah, the tops. You know, um, I mean, there's reservoirs up there. Um, I mean, just going just going back to what we were mentioning before about Winter Hill. There's obviously mm. something really odd going on at Winter Hill, yeah. isn't there? I mean, do you? Yeah. What what what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I remember when I spoke to Mick. You know, he was he was he was you know told me some really interesting stuff about what you found up there. Um, do you have any updates? Yeah. You know, do, do, what 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 do you think's going on at Winter Because there's obviously something, I, isn't there? Yeah, there's definitely something going on. But I think it might be more than one thing. Okay. I think we we've got to uh, to take that into consideration. We do get a number of big cat reports, which is Bolton Bolton itself, Horwich. Halliwell is the 22 reports to date of a large black cat. Now, I think we see the black ones more. Somebody, we were in Sherwood this weekend and one of the chaps said it and I thought, I never thought of that. And he said, because if they're beige, they, they blend in. So you, we're seeing the black ones and I thought that's really credible. Yeah, that's like really, really credible. I've lost my thread, Craig. What did you ask me? Yeah. About that bit. What do you think's going right. on? Yeah, so... We take into consideration that some of the sheep kills that we find are possibly big cat kills because you've got the march on the neck, the typical cat will go in by the belly or the back end, typical signs of cat, and we've got some yellow-eyed reports. Now, that would suggest to me that there are large cats moving around on winter hill. Some of the kills, though, are really strange in the, in the sense that the, 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 the animal, and you're thinking of like a hue, there's some weight in a hue, mm. grabbed by the fleece and rammed into the wall. Yeah. And the, the, the spines are literally twisted. Um, some of the, the feet, is, legs are snapped and twisted. And on some of those kills, the one thing that stood out to me the most was normally, if it's a human that's done it, they'll take the meat and they'll take the fleece because there's money in them, isn't there? Mm. Um, it, the fleece had been removed. It was still there, but it had been removed like you'd take the skin off a chicken. So it's a natural skinning technique. You get your hand between the, the fleece and the thing, and that's what it was like. None of the meat had gone. Right. It was really strange. Yeah. Um, so that tells me that there's a possible, more than likely, big cat up there killing. But, we, as I say, a cat's not got hands, so it's not removing a fleece, right? And it's not running a sheep, a big ewe, right into it. Well, it's not doing it. We've got a couple, two lads go up. Only October of last year just gone, um, and they are going up rabbiting. 
So they get out of the car. It's night time. It's about 12 o'clock at night. I wouldn't be walking on the hill at 12 o'clock at night simply for mechanical injury alone, you know. It's not for me. But they know, they know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and he said, they just, you know, they've got the torches, got the red torches and whatever. And he said, I nearly stepped on a dead sheep. And he said, when we shine the torch on it, the rib cage has been ripped into two and it's still steaming. Mm. So whatever had done it, had done it within, probably heard them coming up the hill, talking, us humans, you know what I mean? We're right noisy. Probably heard the car door. Well, honestly, Craig, probably heard the car door slam. Yeah. Right, so you've got these two chaps and they're going up Winter Hill, they're going rabbit in. Uh, head torches on, little hand torches, and they almost step onto a dead sheep. And when they shine the torch on the sheep, the rib cage has been completely ripped in half um, and it's steaming. Mm. So that tells me that whatever's done, it's not too far away. And he said, we immediately hear a growl. Change that for a cat. They would normally just hang back until you've gone and then do what they want to do. And he said, this growl started around them. And they described what they saw as eye shine, but it was about this up, as if something was standing up. Um, well, that's that like a warning, that. isn't it, that? It's like a warning, isn't it? Yeah, get away. That's what I thought. Yeah. And you got really frightened, which is understandable. One of the lads said, I looked at me gun. I didn't see anything, but I knew that whatever was out there, I'd be better using my gun as a club. So I turn it around in my hand. How frightened have you got to be to do that? Was it and like, said, like, sorry to interrupt, was it like, like two to a rifle or something like that? Was he? Yeah, he just yeah. a rabbit gun. And he's thinking, yeah, yeah. So he turned it around and he said, in my head, I'm thinking, I've got, I'll use the stock as yeah. a bat. Yeah. I've got, well, that's, how, that's how scared he were. And he said, the growling followed them right back to the car. Mm. So it came with them back to the car. Um, then we've got a lady, like you'll remember back in the olden days when we'd, we'd all go out clubbing and clubs are short. Everyone would go meet at River Services. Yeah. And we'd be up River. So she's up at Chinese Garden with a group of people. And she said, obviously, Carl, we'd go in a circle and all oh, put lights on. She said, I needed a pee. So I nipped off and went for the way. And she said, I'm there. And as I went to pull my pants up, this thing just walked out of the woodland and she said it was a man but it had a head like a bear it was completely air covered and like a snout like a bear and she ran and broke her ankle um and she said yeah and she said 25 years on she's still having trouble with her ankle because of that incident yeah now it just the, the accounts on there are really really strange we've got people who have been Followed down, let's say escorted. So in the, the year when uh, we lit all the beacons for the Queen, mm. there was lots of people up, Winter Hill, White Copies Gorge, everyone's up there, you're watching it, aren't you? And this, this is a, a girl and two, uh, two friends, got two dogs with them. They're doing the same thing. And she said another group come up. They went down White Copies Gorge one way. She's gone down White Copies Gorge another way. The dogs picked up on something. They heard a growl, and she said they were definitely shadowed down that hill. She mm. bumped into the one of the other crowd. No, I'm getting this strong. It's a friend. A friend bumped into one of the other crowd because they worked together. And she said, oh, it was great last night. I wasn't seeing you up there. And, that. and she went, yeah, but did anything happen when you were walking back down? And she said, no, not to me. She said, but the lad, the last lad on as we're walking down kept saying, something's behind us. Something's following us. So something unseen in the dark. 
has taken them, followed them down to the bottom of the hill. Now that could be something terrifying, something out to get you, you know, but Mick finds two ladies and they've both got stories of a dog that took them down to safety. So one lassie's up there and she said, we let it get too late, we're idiots. The sun went down and we realised we were in a real, really dangerous situation. This black dog just appears out of nowhere. She said it wouldn't let us stroke it and it kept the same distance between us all the time. Mm. And if we got held back, it would stop and wait for us to catch up to him. And she said it took us right down to George's Lane and we were fine. And this other lady said she was up there with her daughter, January. She said, and like a fool, I realised once we got up there that we had to go back down with all the ice. And she said, and I was really frightened. And this dog just appeared out of nowhere. This black dog. She said it wouldn't let us pet it we tried shouting it over it wouldn't come she said and at first I was a bit frightened of it mm. she said but we just followed it where it was we was and she said it waited for us and it escaled him down to the bottom of the year so did that did they give any, any indication then of whether they thought it was solid um a living thing or maybe something more paranormal did they sort of I think both I think that it appeared in its as a typical black dog, what some people would call a shuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked, say, yeah, yeah. It looked flesh and blood. Mm. And there's another lady on Squirrel Lane, which is just the other side of the hill. She was going to work in the morning at 6, 6 o'clock in the morning, and she said, if I, I missed my bus, I'd have to walk, and it was really dark, and I was worried. And she said, that morning it was slippery with ice, and I missed the bus. She said, and this black dog appears from nowhere and starts to walk her up Squirrel Lane. And she said, she was the only one who said it was kind of ethereal. She said it just suddenly disappeared. So mm. once it got her to safety, it just didn't shed. I don't know whether it walked into the farm, but it was nowhere. And they all said that, they don't know where it went. Yeah. But to them, it seemed flesh and blood, but it was definitely doing a guardian thing. I wonder how many other people mm. around that hill have had a similar experience you know because it's quite a peculiar sort of um well i, I, would, I wouldn't even say northern i said northwestern um uh, <laughs> phenomena isn't it that it, it, there's all sorts of names in the trash and striker and pad oh, and all. yeah but, and, and, Gist, and i back, guess and gist and that's right, um, going back oh. hundreds of years the stories isn't there you know going back back many many years um of these sort of spectral black dogs that that appear um but it's interesting that because they're usually associated with something bad happening so yes, it's most, it, yeah no i know most people think that yeah yeah most people think that but when you you said earlier that there are cultures all around the world that have the same kind of creature cryptid i don't know what being i don't know what to put words to it but they don't communicate back then you couldn't communicate but they all have the same description yeah shook's very similar some are often described as having red eyes and and some uh classes almost like phantom dogs so you can see through them and things like that normally when they're seen somebody dies it's seen as a harbinger as death but what somebody once pointed out to me and said there's an old Celtic legend about a black dog that comes to walk you home at the, head, the end. Okay. So maybe in some cases we see them and then Uncle Fred dies and we're like, it's that black dog's fault mm. that Uncle Fred died. But it might be that that dog came to 
Mark Treadhorn. But you, you can speak to, I've spoke to people who um, are ill, very terminally ill and close to the end. And they will see a, a very benevolent dog sometimes, but in other cases, very uh, an awful black dog that will stalk them almost to the end. And you, they're the, the ones that normally, what, they want to tell me something that they've never told anybody else before because it's free when you get it off your chest. And I think some people have an awful end um, and it might be because of acts that they've done in the life, you know, you can't stop any of that. You can't interfere with any of it. So you've got to let it roll out. Um, but you can try and make it smaller in the mind for them. So you can give them some like protection rituals to go through, just anything to empower. Because the more powerful you are, the weaker that will become, you know, or the more frightened you are, the stronger that will become. Um, so I try and work with people on that level and say, no, it sounds hard. You've got to stand up. And not in this house, you do not cross this boundary, you know, you've got to do that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, mystery black, awful dogs that <laughs> suddenly appear out of nowhere. And then some poor folk, you know, some poor fella in your family passes away, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they're just, everywhere, yeah, they're, they're in every region in the UK. Yeah, they're in everywhere. folklore, aren't they, really? Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, very strange. Um, just, just one more then before we, mm-hmm. we, we sort of go on to um, how we can contact you and um, where we yeah. can see the map and that because the map's brilliant. I've, I've looked at it and I can spend hours just, you know, going all over the globe looking at all the different ones. I mean, obviously, you sort of tend to look at the area where you live and, you know, you're right. Yeah. There's an awful lot goes on in, in, you know, in this area around here. Um, one of the one of the obviously famous ones that's been going on recently, and, and I spoke to another one of your um uh guys lee nicholson um about yeah. the the um calf mutilation that was up at todmorden last year yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite a that's quite a, a strange one do you have any thoughts on that well i think it ties into winter hill as well um because he the the chat was called alex um who found it let me get it right alex Tapper, I'd have to go back and Albert. check. It's it, called Albert. Yeah, Albert. Yeah, it was Albert Tayas. There we go. I've got it right. Yeah. Messaged me and said, Deb, um, I'm up here walking and found this strange calf up near Shepherd's Rest. So up that way. Yeah. So he took some photographs, which was A. So we managed to see it. Like it's it's this bullock, it's in a it's in a field for sheep. Mm. Uh, only a young thing, no ear tag. Um, a bit strange. And the mutilations on it were really weird. So it was almost laser-like. There's no blood on the ground. Yeah. The seam was completely clear. Dogs normally use a, leave a right mess, so you'll see, like, blood, guts, all entrails, and they dig in with the feed dogs, so they make a mess of the ground. None of that. Mm. It was pristine. And dare I say it, it almost looked like it had been dropped from above. Yeah. Now... I've got reports on the hill and Todder, Hebden Bridge, um, and a number of places where people have missing time events or UFO events. Yeah. And some of them actually come to quite far away. One poor chap woke up on Gaddings Down, not yeah. too far from where they found it, with a, a, like a, an implant in his neck, a ball bearing in his neck. Right. And COVID couldn't get out there to meet him. Um, and I asked him, I said, would you let me guide a counter it? And he, and he was like, yeah, but, you know. But that calf stayed out there. Nobody claimed it. It was out there a long time. Nothing predated on it either. No. But I think it's connected to the cases at Lubbock Lane because there was a farmer back in the day that had numerous 
cattle mutilations, had a visit from the government, and suddenly people were not allowed to investigate on his land anymore. Yeah. I think it possibly is the same farm in all I'm going to be really truthful with you. Um, and there are very similar cases. So Mick goes up to investigate. Mm. And while he's up there at the shepherd's rest, the they've got the cameras. We always have kit when we go out, so you've got like camera gear and your tripods and stuff. And most of us are in outdoor gear, like, so you kind of stand out. And she was like, oh, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm up here actually investigating the case. And she went, oh, oh, you know about the chap in the, the house that moved off the moor and never come back, don't you? And she was like, no. No, and she was like, well, he was a serving police officer. He was from Liverpool. When he retired, they bought the house on the on the moor. Grandkids had come over and stay as normal. And he, she said one night he got up for a pee at middle at night, saw something in out on the moor, wouldn't tell him what he'd seen. Um, and he packed them up and moved him, went back to live at his daughter's address and sold the house on there. I mean, you know what the hills are. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so hard that you, to get a property up there. It's, oh God, yeah. And he never went back to that house. Never went back to that house. Well, and I don't blame, seen, you know. I must have seen something, man. It's got to have done, you know. He really, really has yeah, got yeah. to have done. But Mick knows more about that case than me. Mm. See, I've worked the Bearman reports and the Red Eyed reports on the hill. I mean, we work together all the time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Mick's boots on the ground, he can do what I can't do. So we were out this weekend in Sherwood, to be honest. Uh, this month, last month, we were in Harrogate. Month before, we were in um, Round Hay in York. Uh, we, we've been everywhere. But as we invite people out, we say, oh, come out and have a brew, and we just sit around and we have a natter. That's what we did at Sherwood. I'll go home, mix days overnight with them and just like a, a night um, camping out. So our next one's at Forest of Boland at the end of this month. So if anybody's interested in coming out, just email me. Um, or yeah, Honestly, all you got to do is put Debbie Hartswell, Bigfoot, into YouTube and I will pop up. And I will answer every email. It might take me a couple of days, but I will answer them all. It's really informal. We don't expect you to have any experience. You don't have to have seen or heard anything. If you're interested in the subjects and you just like talking about it, just come out and have a brew with us and a piece of cake, because that's what we do. We just sit around in a circle and we all have a natter and we get to know each other. And each time, more people come. Yeah. And you, I used to sit, they're really nervous for a minute and I used to do all talking. And then I sit back and they all start talking to each other and it's lovely to see, you know? And they're just finishing each other's sentences and, oh, do you watch this show? What do you think about this podcast? It's, um, it's, Honestly, I'd, I'd work every day I could just to see that once a month. It's brilliant to see them all. And you make a new friend, don't you? You make someone you can say, have you seen this video? Yeah. <laughs> so what's the, um, what, what's the address for the, for the map, the, um, the big map that you've done? I think it's just Deborah Hatswell's cryptid map. Okay. It'll come up under that, yeah. But if they struggle... My email, I can well, you could pop the email in the description for them. I will do. Just, yeah. It's just debbiehatsell at gmail.com, all yeah. lowercase. Yeah. Uh, but it'll come up if you, if you Google Debbie Hatswell's. Uh, I've been around that long. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll pop up, but especially for Brits. I mean, it's not the same if you're in America, but for the Brits, I'd yeah. be probably one of the first that come up in your, in your search engine. Just reach out, just get in touch, or, or get in touch with Colin and ask Colin and yeah. just say, I really fancy that, you know, or. If you've heard of what the places that we've spoken about tonight, if it's jogged a memory, 
or you thought, well, you know, my auntie Doris, or remember that time when we were kids? Please get in touch. Because even if you think it's not important, if I can get it on that map, it gives me a massive understanding of what's going on yeah. around the time. So if you've heard a noise, I want to hear about it. If you've seen yeah. strange footprints, I want to know about it. Just anything, anything, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it will just let me know. And then we can, if you want to come out and meet Mick and go out and do the investigation with him, he's up for that. He's out. We're always happy for people to come out with us. You know, just pop along. <laughs> it's a bit, you need boots. It's a bit sheep up there. You'll need yeah, some yeah, good yeah. dirty boots, but you'll be eating your wellies. <laughs> no That's brilliant. That's great. Well, thank you. Thanks, Debbie. It's been um, it's been really good talking to you. Um, really interesting stuff. Some some stuff that you've mentioned there that I've never heard of before. So, um, and I hope that um, uh, people that are listening to this have enjoyed it as much as I have because it's been great. Thank you very much, and um, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, you're very very welcome. If you need me to come back on, just let me know, and I'll make sure I'm free. I will do. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you to Debbie for doing the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Remember, you can go to my website, which is www.craigbryant.co.uk. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep watching the shadows.